severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job Hello and welcome to another episode of Just Get A Real Job, the podcast where we speak to emerging creatives and creatives alike from across the creative industries. I am of course your host, Jamie McKinley, and we have had a very, very fun week at Just Get A Real Job. We obviously launched series two of the podcast last week and it's just great to be back and it's been a really, really fun getting to you know hear people's thoughts on the episode and seeing people enjoying it it was a great conversation with James so thank you to everyone that tuned into that episode and thank you to everyone that got in touch to let us know that that you enjoyed it we love hearing from our listeners it makes this like even more worth doing it so it was really really nice to to see people were enjoying what James had to say and if you are a new listener that that joined us last week and have come back that's amazing thank you very much for listening and of course all our regular listeners as well Thank you very much for continuing to listen to our podcast. We're very, very grateful. But yeah, we have a a great episode in store for you today. We have a really, really fun one. This episode was recorded quite a while ago. I think we recorded this episode at the back end of July, so nearly four months ago. And it's it's a fantastic conversation. So without much further ado, this week's guest is Liam McIntosh. Now, Liam is a theatre producer... And since recording this podcast, it's actually it's been pretty amazing, actually. Since we recorded this episode, Liam's actually launched his own company now, Liam McIntosh Entertainment. There's a link to that in the show notes. So Liam's actually relocated down to London, and he's living it. He's doing it. So massive, massive congratulations to Liam. He was a great guest to have on. Like We have some amazing conversations about the landscape of theatre in the UK, and particularly in Scotland. And obviously, we, had, we have had a lot of people from theatre on this podcast, but particularly Liam was very, very knowledgeable about it. So it was great to, to pick his brains and chat to him about the state of theatre in this country and stuff. I'm not sure why, but I, I just cannot say the word theatre without sounding weird, which my friend Craig from episode 11 of the podcast pointed out to me and I've never been able to unhear it. So I'm aware I say theatre in a very, very weird way. I don't know if it's the faith in me or whatever, but yeah, please, please just put up with me saying that because I'm probably going to say the word theatre in this episode several more times. But yeah, it was a great conversation with Liam. And before I let you hear it, I just wanted to to give a quick reminder that if you're enjoying the podcast, there's a number of things you can do to help us keep growing. Um, Obviously, we're an independent podcast. We don't have a lot of money. So things like word of mouth are essential to us finding new listeners. So if you're really, really enjoying this podcast, please, please tell other people to listen, send it to friends, send it to family that you think might enjoy it. Or you can like leave us reviews on places like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and stuff because it just helps us to be seen. And that stuff goes really, really long way. Also, if you can afford it, please consider donating a couple of quid to our Patreon page as well. There's a link to that and the show notes and all that money just goes back into this podcast and to making it sound as good as it can and to allowing us to you know make the podcast better to buy better equipment to you know just to make this podcast as good as it can be is basically what that's for and if you if you can't afford to donate don't worry at all this free podcast please continue to enjoy it and to all our current patrons that have been supporting as well thank you so much we're very very grateful Right, anyway, that's definitely enough waffle for me today. I hope you enjoy this week's episode, episode 52 with Liam McIntosh, theatre producer. Enjoy. 
highly of it's uh, it's nice to meet you again uh, lovely to have you on the podcast as well we've finally finally been able to make it happen thank you for having me on and it's lovely to have a chat and see what happens i know i know we've well i met you first of all i think it was a lot it was lockdown links run by the lovely rebecca who's had been on this podcast a few times and has been very good to this podcast but that was in maybe february and i basically when in my head then i was like i definitely need to get liam on the podcast soon and i've just we're just both very busy people but i'm glad we've been able to finally make it happen in in july so it's, it's great to have you on i know it was and to be fair just echo that shit it's rebecca we would have never met if it hadn't been for her lockdown links and i think loads of creators would never have met each other and seen different worlds Absolutely. had it not been for her no it's an amazing it was an amazing project yeah i've, I've had plenty of guests from uh, lockdown links so big shout out to you rebecca thank you very much but liam you are a theater producer so you've yeah. done lots of interesting stuff so we've got plenty of things to talk about i've got lots of landscape about theater and questions to do with all that stuff to come later but the sort of the question we like to start the podcast with is we like to ask all i guess what are your sort of earliest creative memories so for me i always remember getting taken to the theater from an early age and i think anyone who has ventured into a theater in scotland as a child is probably going to have something like the same kettle or yep pantomime is their earliest memory and that and that was it was totally the same we used to go twice a year and it was always really good and i always thought it was something a bit magical about it but i didn't really know what it was and at that point i didn't really think anything of it i remember distinctively going to see jack and beanstalk at the kings in edinburgh and watching a grand total of six minutes before I decided that it wasn't for me and I was going to escape because it was absolutely horrific <laughs> and this concept of this giant just cutting about in front of you I was like this is nuts I don't want to be here so, so those were really early memories the one that I distinctively remember when I kind of went well this is something I really want to be able to do was we went to see Mary Poppins at the Playhouse in Edinburgh and it was really good it was the second like full big musical that we had seen and at the end Mary flies across the auditorium and up yeah, yeah. and there was a little boy a couple of rows in front of us I must have been about nine or ten at the time I think but there was a little boy a couple of rows in front of us and he fully thought that he was the only one in that building that could see Mary and there was a little bit where she waved at him and he waved at her and I just remember it so vividly and going there was something really magic there and it really actually probably wasn't until 2020 when we were all locked down that I went this is a really tough job why on earth do I do it and looking back that was the, the one single point that I do clearly remember going this is this is why we're here this is why I do this so that was really like early creative memories on how I discovered that theatre was a thing as for actually working in theatre, i done a lot of drama and a lot of acting and, and stuff throughout primary and secondary school. And we were really, really fortunate. In the high school that I went to, I was really fortunate. They had a lot of success in theatre. So we were never told in any way this isn't a viable career. The original Boy George from Taboo came from our high school. Andrew Rothney, who has done tons of stuff for National Theatre and National Theatre Scotland. So we had a lot and Joanne Gibbon stuff came from came from our high school. So there was this huge legacy of people who have made it work in the West End. And I mean, somebody who went to high school is now in the Broadway cast of Hamilton. So it's like we wow. knew it could work. So we were never really deterred that it wouldn't. So saying you want to go into theatre, people just kind of went, oh, all right, good luck. We don't know how you're going to make that happen, but <laughs> good luck. And I went on this like mad little journey to see what, what it was. And particularly in Scotland, if it's theatre that you want to go into, it's really either it's split between technical theatre or acting. And I take my hat off to anyone who does any form of technical theatre it confuses the living daylights out of me it's such an art form of a job 
So I knew that I was never going to go and train in that. So I just went, oh, I'll, go, I'll go and train in acting for a bit. And that's probably where, I think probably where it all kicked off. And just as I went to college to do that, I started my own little sort of production company to kind of prove, no, I can do this, this does work. And the venue that were willing to give us a gig, they didn't program pantomime. So we done, in the end, we done five pantomime seasons for them in the venue, four of which were complete sellouts. And they were, they were really successful. We had a huge amount of support from some fantastic people. And yeah. I, I think it was probably then that I realised exactly where in the industry I fight. And it was in that sort of production producer side. I remember when we were at college doing acting, we'd done something about, I think it was about Scrooge. And the, me and this lecture had a bit of an argument about a revolving stage. And we went off for Christmas. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to go back. I don't know. This is the, it doesn't seem for me. <laughs> And yeah. I met so many amazing people there. And, and I think a couple of them have even been on this podcast, like so many brilliant, talented actors. And I remember phoning and saying, listen, I don't think I'm going to come back. And she, lit the, one of the lecturers on the phone said, yeah, because you're okay at acting, but you're not an actor. You need to go and look at either directing or producing. And that was that's really great, kind though. of that's, what that's, I needed. That's great that they recognised that in you. And instead of just going, yeah, don't bother coming back or whatever, like they actually said, listen, it's not that you're not talented and it's not that you are not you don't have a knowledge of theatre or anything, but your skills are maybe better used in a different area. That's that's actually really good that they said that. It was. And and I mean, they, they were they were such an amazing bunch. And even though I had done a really short stint, they learned so much, met so many amazing people. And I don't necessarily think if I hadn't done that, I would be here now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think through time I'd have just walked away and gone, oh, this doesn't really seem to work. But yeah, and it's, and I have been very fortunate to always somehow be surrounded by very supportive people who have kind of gone that bit where you get to like the fork in the road of your career, go, no, this is the route you need to take or try this way first. And it's, it's always kind of paid off. And I have, obviously, like everyone, we, I've made mistakes along the way and I've, I've made some dodgy decisions. And we all, we all have, 100%. We all have. And that's the thing, as an industry, we're really bad at talking about the bad times I think and the the times where you look back and go when you recap on how something's went you go let's not do that again and we've all done it I think that's the easiest way to learn is by doing it 100% well I've got we have a question about sort of failures and and things to come later in the podcast and obviously want to talk more about those pantomimes and things as well but another question just to wind back slightly is we sort of like to something we like to ask in the podcast is about where people are from and how growing up in like the place you're from how that's affected you as an artist and as a person and stuff so so you're from you're from Bonest, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I mean, it, it was, it's a lovely place to grow up. Very and nice. They, very good trains at Christmas. I used to go there every Christmas and go on the Thomas the Tang Engine trains. Genuinely loved it as a kid. Honestly, it's so fun. Sorry to interject there. Just had to... see, we've just obviously had a lovely weekend and see when it's a really hot weekend and all you can hear are the trains to it. Mm. The novelty of it wears off quickly. I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it is. It's a lovely place to grow up and particularly as an artist or a creative in any way, you you're always tapped into so many opportunities and so many so many ways to sort of look at this as a, as a viable option. Mm. Our town gets used so much for filming on films and the BBC use it tons. And we've had so many brilliant, brilliant actors and creatives leave Bonus and go on and do amazing, huge, huge projects. And you go, no, this actually does work. And it's also such a small town that when you are going to do something... 
everyone knows about it and usually everyone's really supportive so for starting out it's a really good place to be and I'm, I'm fully aware that not everyone is as fortunate in that position of going and, and knowing that everyone in your streets 70% of your streets going to cheer you on for instance but they do and it is it's, it's a really nice little place yeah but I, I think that sort of <clears throat> sense of community in most places and in, in especially probably in Scotland and probably wider UK but like sort of that sense of community in towns and stuff isn't the same as it maybe used to be when say our parents were growing up it maybe sounds like it maybe was a bit more where you're from it's maybe smaller but like I think that's such a probably really really helpful for something like an artistic career and I think just what you said about when you're at school having other people who had gone on to do things that probably helps a lot because something I noticed when I grown up and unfortunately I've had quite a lot of faith-based creatives on the podcast most of us hadn't had that sort of model to look at and we felt like we couldn't go on or we didn't have that sort of natural step so if we felt more like imposters so that must have made such a difference having sort of those people to see a wee bit it did and it did make such a difference and I think what helped a lot was particularly when when you look at when we were at like school and stuff a lot of the teachers who were at the school were teaching there when those people went through the school mm. so they knew firsthand on how their journey went and obviously through time with retirement and stuff that slowly disappears and they just become names on a book that have done well so I don't know if maybe in five years time it would still be the same I would hope that it is and I mean when you go off to college and you go off to uni and stuff and you meet other people from loads of different places and you find that everyone's journey is totally different it's such a unique journey to have this huge back catalogue of people who who have done really well and and you can look and go well this does work and it is possible and the sense of community here I think Boris is, is sort of famed for having a massive, they've got the biggest children's festival in Europe that happens at the end of June every year, obviously, COVID aside. But it's a massive event where there's tens of thousands of people come into this tiny town for a night and a half and see see what's going on. And it's a huge community drive. So I think that's possibly why the community spirit's still at a height here where you look at other places it's not as much yeah something I'm, something i'm be interested to talk to you about and i'm, I'm just gonna ask it now because um, of something that's gonna come later but i know as a producer in theater you're very very passionate about accessibility and and making like theater and stuff more community-based and like making theater like sort of accessible to all backgrounds and bringing generations together and stuff yeah and i think theater's always been seen regardless of what side of the fence you're on theater has always been seen as a sort of snobby, higher-end, top-tier style of entertainment, very elitist, and it's really not. And a lot of work has been done, particularly in Scotland, actually, a lot of work has been done to try and really break those barriers down yeah, and, and soften them down. But you can break stuff down as much as you want. The, the whole system is still there. You've still got people charging in excess of £200 a ticket. If you're deaf or you've got hearing impairment or you're blind, you can only go on a Wednesday afternoon to go and see this show that's on for five weeks, but it's only the first Wednesday that you're able to see it for one afternoon because of of what's in place. I think we've got a lot of things to look at and go, what are we doing here and how does this work? Mm -hmm. But I work across Scotland and, and the UK. And when you look at Scotland compared to everyone else, we are a bit ahead. Okay. I think we, I think it's, it's definitely something to be proud of that we are a bit of a, a bit ahead and everyone's learning and we are coming back and you can see people are more open to conversations on an accessibility front the sixth musical in the West End has just hit a huge barrier in accessibility last week when they announced the move and within a day the producers and the theatre owners put a call out and went, well, speak to us and, and how can we f- make this better? And you're hearing already that those conversations 
are clearly being listened to and are clearly looking for routes to make this better. So I think we are learning as an industry how we do it. The problem is it Mm. takes a lot of money, it takes a lot of time, and it takes people who are prepared for change. And unfortunately, I think that's the bit that's the biggest barrier. Some people are just setting the race and going, well, this has worked for the last 50 years. Why do we need to change it now? Yeah, 100%. I think that is a big block and not just theatre. I I think I've seen that in TV and stuff as well and film. And I think it's a wider creative. And I think you, when you tend to have like a, to be fair, if you grew up for 40 years doing the same thing and you think it works, then it's hard for you to see it. And it's, it's getting people to change. And I think change takes a long time. I think it's the same in politics and it's the same in everything it's like change takes a long time to come through because you need to sort of people have to slowly be willing to to give you ground and stuff so it is still good that it change is happening it's just maybe not happening as fast as people like ourselves would maybe like it to yeah and i think as well there is a bit of sometimes you have to sort of take yourself out of the situation and see the problem and even in it you go Oh, it's fine. People are still going to book a ticket. People are still going to come and see the show. It's going to work. Well, actually, they are going to the now, but in five or ten years' time, we're looking at a different audience. And if we want this to still work then, we have to make the change now. Mm-hmm. And again, initially getting people into the theatre in Scotland for years has been one of the easiest jobs ever. They always say that pantomime is the first time a child will go into a theatre. And in Scotland, it is true, a pantomime is. We had a total institute of the singing kettle who amazing from faith as well exactly (laughs) see represent Um, and they had a way of getting families and children in a theater which then stayed and then when people went oh i don't know chitty chitty bang bang's coming oh we'll go and see that and it opened that door of seeing there's something actually there that you can go and do but it is an expense and it is a time and you're going well why do we take a train into Edinburgh and back and sit and see two and a half hours of a show where I can stick a film on Netflix for an hour and a half to occupy my kids. It's all about making it the most attractive gift possible to adults to book to then entice children to come back. And really, the education system's fully aware of it. And they're doing a huge amount of work at the minute to try and open the door and, and get people in. And, and places like National Theatre Scotland are doing a lot to ramp up the, the way of getting people back into theatre and back into seeing, not just into a theatre, but seeing live entertainment. Yeah, which is obviously going to be is very tricky at the moment because we're coming out of a pandemic as well. That that adds an even extra, you know, make it even yeah. more difficult. It sort of adds a spanner to the works. But at the moment, obviously, things are slowly starting to reopen. So fingers crossed we can get back to what we were doing before. And it's, to be fair, the pandemic, thing, everything that I've said would possibly work. The pandemic's through an entire spanner in the works. We are aware that we're going to have a time where we come back to those household name shows with household name artists with questionable ticket prices because we need to get back in, we need to get bums on seat, we need to start the money ball rolling again mm-hmm. so then we can start looking at making the change. And we've got, for new artists that are emerging, we've got a huge backlog of, we've had nearly three years of stuff all planned that we've had to lift and go 2020 to 2022 is not working. Let's fire that into 23 to 26. Oh, but then where does that stuff that was going to go there happen? And where does the new stuff come in as well? Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, it's how do you thread it all through? And I mean, some of the venues out there have massive shouted to be fair to Capital Theatres who their accessibility and outreach work has not stopped throughout the pandemic and they've got an amazing dementia awareness part of their campaign and their structure I really actually think they just continue doing it from the pandemic started I don't think they stopped Yeah, and it's a huge credit to them and to the other venues as well who are trying to keep calm and carry on in a sense (laughs) in this bizarre horrific horrible time no 100% it's it's, it's mental but we are you know it's 
it's amazing actually how many creative people I've spoken to the last sort of eight months and throughout lockdown and they're all working and they're all making things happen and you know and even in TV and stuff just because that's where most of my sort of experience is at the moment but like how we'd worked for a pandemic is mad like that was my whole job working at COVID department and it's just like surreal like what the hell am I doing this is bonkers but we're, we seem to be making it work just about so yeah fingers crossed we slowly come out of it but Liam just to sort of uh, just to bring some of the sort of questions back to you more on a personal level I've still got I've got some sort of general theatre questions for later on and I really enjoyed hearing your sort of views on it but just to sort of step away from theatre for a sec entirely another question we ask on the podcast is do you have a favourite word or phrase from where you're from? Probably thingway thing, thing, Yeah that's a good one Thingway Thingway is a good word <laughs> Or thingway or thingy like see when we're in meetings in, in London and you're with all these people who, who are English or of other nationalities that predominantly aren't central scottish and you go oh could you pass me that thingy over and they look at you as if to go has this person walked in drunk off the street like what is he what is he saying and so i would say that's one and it also gets you out of any situation you can just start baffling <laughs> people with scottish phrases and just yeah gotta go by um, <laughs> so I'd, probably, I'd probably say that's one that's what i think you use nearly on an hourly basis at the minute good good no it's a good it's a good answer and and just when you sort of after you sort of left the college you decide not to be an actor you get in producing what what are you doing at that point apart from, i know you're doing the panama and stuff but like what are your sort of steps as a producer because you i know you worked with like chris the chris grady institute and stuff as well so I don't know if you maybe would mind talking about some of that. Yeah, I done my full six years at high school. Left, knew that I wanted to go into theatre. Wasn't quite sure how that was going to work or where it was going to work. And got a job, part-time job in Tesco. So I was working there. And suddenly, as a 17-year-old, you're getting a decent amount of money at the end of every month. You're going, oh, this is yeah. actually quite nice. This is, this yeah, is yeah. Nice. And I think, I'm sure I've taken a gap year. I did. I've taken a gap year. So I just, I just worked for the year to try and figure out where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do then went off to college and whilst I went to college I still I still was working in Tesco City part-time left college after my very very short stint and although I had been given the advice to go and go and look at that and look at producing and stuff at the time and arguably still now there is no producing courses in yeah no there's not is there? Scotland the closest one Queen Margaret and Edinburgh have arts and it's either arts and live entertainment or arts and theatre management, but it says a master. Yeah, so there's a master's got yeah, yeah, my, my former so, former uni there. <laughs> so it, it was it was confusing, and I I wasn't quite sure where I wanted to go. I had some offers to go and do events management at uni and stuff, and I wasn't really sure. And for me, I knew where in the theatre industry I liked and what type of theatre I liked. What I then had to go and do was just see how does this work. So I just stayed working in Tesco for I think in total it was about five years I worked there because it was paying the bills every month it was a, a real job in, in some senses and it gave a chance to sort of go off and explore what is there in the world and what is there I can do and, and and how does this all work I spent some time going down to London and really getting a lay of the land with how does this work who are the who are the big players that I need to kind of know if I want to make this work and the same up here in Glasgow and Edinburgh and stuff and I did and then when I'd started to discover that particularly down south there is a lot of producing courses in Mount View and the Liverpool Institute and Central and stuff so I kind of went oh I could do this and I had applied and I'd got some offers and chickened out at the really last minute because mm. I went oh wait a minute I am I ready to move to a completely different country and and do all of this I don't know I, I don't know if this is for me I think it was only about 2021 20, at the time when I'd done that and I, I was like I'm not too sure if this is for me this whole move but then I'd left Tesco's near the end of 2019 and 
and thought, you know, maybe this is the chance. This is possibly the chance to do this and go and give it a go. And I'd done about, I'd done, I'd done a panel season. I'd done a couple of months of some some work here and there for for Peter, a very 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 small duck in a massive massive pond, and when I don't I don't know if this is it, and then thought no, I, you know I need to go find a real job. So I w- then went and started working in a pub, and it was also there was also that all that talk at the time. This this was at the start of COVID, so there was all that talk at the time of of the pandemic starting, and and countries were starting to lock down, and you went yeah, I think I'm going to need some stability because this doesn't look safe. And you know I was a 20, 22 year old from central scotland saving wasn't my number one priority at that time of my life (laughs) no no it wasn't most of ours (laughs) so i've always had a sort of real job which i hate the term but well yeah that's the the, the whole the whole sort of point of the podcast is sort of mocking that term but yeah (laughs) but it's like that sort of side hustle thing of of you have to have a job to bring money and you have to pay bills you have to do this you have to do that and it is real but i think the hard thing is knowing how to differentiate between the two, which really for me was a massive struggle. The pandemic then came along, there was furloughing and stuff like that. And then I had been commissioned to do another panel season for this venue. And I went, right, and I, I normally write about four or five scripts a year for various places. And I wrote two, I wrote one that was that did happen, that was down south, and one that was going to happen in the venue I was working in. And I wrote it and I really liked it. I thought it was good. Then we had the conversation start at the beginning of this isn't going to happen. And then all the other scripts started to get pulled because their venues were pulling out. And I went, you were hearing all the voices saying this is the worst time industry's ever seen. I went, I don't know if this is what I want. I genuinely don't know if I want mm. to live a life of such insecurity. Yeah, I mean, it's such, it's such an insecure industry, though, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And I mean, the risk factor is massive. But ultimately... I think if you love it and you ha- you do have to love it, and it's the same, it would be the same for <laughs> television and theatre, you have to love it because if you oh, don't, you have to. it would kill you off. So the pandemic happened, that first lockdown happened, and by the end of it, I kind of went, you know, I think this is it, I think enough's enough. I'll go and get a nice little office job somewhere and that'll be it. And I did, I applied to, co- I applied that I was going to work in a call centre, it was going to be beautiful, they've got Sky for free or something. <laughs> And the pub that I was working in phoned that afternoon and it was the same day, it was a really strange day. They'd phoned and went, oh, could you, would you be wanting to come back? And if you could, could you start tonight? And I was like, yeah. So I went back and that night was when I met Chris Grady, who runs the Chris, Chris Grady Institute and wow. also was the man who created the original Mount View course and has worked at hundreds of places. I mean, the CV's massive. And he, he lives in the, the village where the pub was. And I went, huh. I would always thought he was the accountant for the pub. I had no clue that he was. <laughs> he was this, this theatre producer or anything and me and a friend were talking about something it was loosely related to theatre and he sort of jumped in and we just started chatting and he went oh I'm creating this course and this is what it is blah 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 and obviously the COVID and stuff is fully online and I don't know if it was uh, the intention was to be online but it, it was online and there was that bit of going maybe this literally on the week where I've, yeah, I've yeah. kind of sort of sealed my fate of going I've had enough <laughs> is maybe this is it maybe this is where I'm meant to go so I had applied I was really fortunate to get in and really from then and I think we're coming up to about a year now from that meeting from then and it sounds so dramatic my life has totally flipped around and yeah that's amazing from a year ago thinking I'm going to walk away from this industry to now looking at some of the projects that that we've got coming up it's insane and it, it comes down to that thing of luck and timing which yeah. sounds such an idiot thing to say, but it, it is. I think it is totally true that a lot of this industry is down to luck 
and, and time and, and that that was definitely one of them so that was that yeah and throughout that entire journey I've always worked a side hustle job to get money in and and to start and and had those times where I've gone you know this is it I've had enough and had those times where actually I think I could conquer the world with this one and done some wacky bold moves thinking that I could conquer the world and then went oh wait a minute that's not going to work let's stop so yeah Hello, it's Jamie here. You may have heard this advert several times before, but if not, this is basically just me taking a minute to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, there are a number of things you can do to help us keep growing. Now, as many of you might be aware, the podcasting landscape is incredibly saturated. And I mean, there's lots of podcasts. We all love podcasts. But it's very difficult for independent podcasts like us to sometimes break through and to be noticed. So doing things like sharing us on social media, word of mouth, and just telling friends and family to listen, or even leaving us a little five-star review on places like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts go so far in helping us to keep growing. Me and Elliot adore this podcast. We love making this podcast. So if you're able to help in any way by doing something like that, we'd be incredibly grateful. Not just for our podcast, but if you love any independent podcast please try and give them a wee share or give them a review because it, it goes so far. Another thing you can do if you enjoy the podcast as well, and we appreciate that this is a very difficult time, but if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us, you can donate as little or as much as you like to our Patreon page, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash job, or you can click the link in the show notes. Anything you can afford, we are very grateful for. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode. You know those sliding door moments, though that I, they happen so often. I, there's been a lot of stories like that on the podcast, but that's that's really that. that so just when stuff lines up like that, the way it's pretty special. I think, you know, the chances of the pub phoning you in and him being there and stuff—that's great. It totally is, and I mean, within weeks, that, that the course was amazing, and and I met so many fantastic people on it. We had a producer from New York, we had a musical theatre producer from the Netherlands, all studying at the exact same time, and really made us such a beautiful group of friends who we've not all still fully met in person because of COVID and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. it was really nice. And I had always had this, we'll probably get onto this throughout the podcast, but I had always had this person. You always have them. You always have like idols and people that you look at and go, and inspirational figures and go, oh, that's where I kind of want to be at this at this point in my career. Mm. Or I want to get to that stage. And through that course was phenomenally lucky. You, you got a mentor who was somebody working in the industry and I were talking about names of people and and some amazing producers were, were renamed and, and he said to me, is there anyone else? And I went, oh, well, I think this person would be a brilliant mentor. And he went, why? And I said, because I would just really love to have a conversation with them and for them to know my name. And within a week, we then got confirmation, oh, they're going to take you on as a as a mentee and, and, and that's it. And literally, I mean, I think I'm, I was on cloud nine for the moment that phone call came in. And through that, through having that mentorship, I've managed to get myself into some brilliant opportunities. And that's one thing I think that's not discussed enough is particularly as you're starting out in your career, even throughout, mentors are, are the most yeah invaluable thing 100%. that is out there. Yeah, well, that that's that's great to know. I mean, it's it's so helpful to have people around you that know what they're doing. And and I'm I've actually just been somehow I don't know how, but managed to get shortlisted for the the network talent scheme, which is like a TV thing. And I'm getting a mentor from that, and I'm I can't wait. I'm really excited. I'm hoping that opens some doors. So I think yeah, having the privilege to get something like that, I think is a great opportunity. So to anyone listening who gets the opportunity, take it 100. percent Yeah, grab it with um, both hands. And if yeah. you want the opportunity, mm-hmm. go 
out and find it. Go out and ask people. Even just ask them for a coffee. Everyone has got time. Yeah, you don't even need to be an official mentor, do they? They can just be an email to someone that you really admire or whatever. Everyone's got time and everyone's fully... The one thing I, I was given an amazing piece of advice, everyone's fully aware that they're not going to be here for another 100 years. They need to make sure that the next wave of whoever, if you are, if you're directors, writers, actors, cameramen, whatever, they need to make the next the next bunch. And I'm yet to meet someone who's not willing to have a chat and not yeah. willing just to sit down and go, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's see what we can do. And, and most people, even if they were, for example, very, very busy with something, they might even just be like, I'm afraid I'm busy just now, but thank you for the email anyway. They're probably not going to be angry about it. So exactly. All you can do is ask. Uh, but Liam, totally. just an, another another quick thing I want to ask about, which is is the fifth producer, which is the sort of scheme that you, which is, I love the sort of concept behind this because teamwork is so important in this industry. And I love the idea that you and all these other producers have said, instead of competing against each other, we are going to work together to make our lives easier and to create, you know, a, a, an easier way of us. Uh, I love that. So, so the fifth producer, yeah, it came off the back of the nine of us trying to find a way that we could all work together. And we covered various geographical locations. We covered a huge spectrum of specialisms that we worked in. And there was commercial producers, subsidised producers. We needed to find something that brought us together. And we had a talk from Kerry Michaels, who was the theatre chief exec and artistic director of Theatre Royal Stratford East for years. And he honestly, hands down, we were, we were watching it. There was people in tears. There was people, we were on Zoom, people put their cameras off to try and regroup their thoughts. It was like such an amazing conversation we had. And he he spoke about different types of producers and what he thought they were. And he thought that there were four types of producers. There was the one that's out there just to make money. There's the one that's out there because he likes the artistic side of things and, and so on. And we then went, well, one of the nine of us went, well, I think there's another one. I think there's a fifth version who is all of those things in one. Oh, I love that. And Kerry laughed and he went, yeah, he went, good luck finding one. And I think that was the fire that went under us. And we went, well, we'll be it. Let's <laughs> look at that. And we we just, we were talking about what we needed. The deadline for needing something was coming up. So we then just set about this thing. And, and the fifth producer kind of came off the back of that. And it was really, what do we feel there wasn't for us when we were emerging as producers? What do we feel there needs to be more of? One voice shouting in a crowded, crowded room might get heard. Nine voices shouting. There's some people are possibly yeah. going to listen. And that's what, it, that's really kind of what it was and where it started from and and we launched and we then overnight really we kind of picked up a huge momentum and a huge following of people from really a global following from right across the world and we then had people starting reaching out going oh this is a really good thing you're doing how can we get involved what can we do to help and then we had people coming to us and saying can you share this job that we've got we wanted to go to someone who's emerging you've got such a big emerging audience could you do that but then people come to ask us for advice about going on to do training we were able to pair people up and, it, and on reflection it possibly now is never what it was going to be it grew out of and legs really quickly and and the nine of us then sort of sat and went what what is this what do we what do we do now and it was it was a really it was an amazing thing to fall upon and just have up here and hopefully it does continue for longer and we can get a bit more momentum and, and have have a bit bigger of a conversation about some things because we do know that places are listening and we do know that people are aware that a change needs to happen 
so hopefully something will happen yeah. off the back of that. No, that's that's uh, that's great. I love I love the sort of idea behind that. That's a really interesting little project, and I'm glad to see it growing and stuff. Well, sort of, I've got some sort of fun, quick, fiery questions for you, but oh, one more question before that, and it's just if you could change one thing in theatre today, what would you change? What, what do you think the one? I know there's lots of things that need to change, but if you could have a magic wand today and just change one thing, what what do you think you would change? I think I'm, I'm possibly going to twist the answer around a little bit. That's okay. I think what I would change is the belief that it's not for everyone. Okay, I love um, that. And that, that there is a job in here some way and people can have a life and people can people can go and escape and really open the door to get people back in, which is always kind and all the work that I've done has always kind of been there. It's always been about trying to get more than one generation into an audience and, and looking back at, at those memories of, of the, the bits where I always go, when I think about all the shows that, we've, that I've seen and worked on, you go back and go, oh wait, that was the one, that's the minute there. That's great, I love it that. It was moments where it was more than a generation. There was, there was something happening in that room. And my worry would be, as an industry, I think the creative industry has struggled but have coped and have survived this this pandemic is are people who aren't privy to what goes on inside this world now going to deter their kids from pursuing it as a career because they're going to go well look what happened then which would be heartbreaking if it happened so I would, yeah, would. I think if there was something I could change overnight it would probably be the perception and and the getting into it that's a great answer to that question thank you very much for that well just just some sort of more kind of quick fiery questions but first question for of, of this is what's your favorite piece of theater that you'd ever had the chance to see live the musical come from away okay nice it's fantastic yeah i would say that's possibly the best one nice and my second question in this and this sort of section is do you have a favorite venue that you'd ever had the chance to sort of see something in yeah i think my favorite scottish venue would have to probably be the king's theater in edinburgh it's a nice one it's such a stunning building the organization are lovely and as someone whose career although i don't do panto nearly as much now as i did for a scottish person who's creating panto it really is the home of scottish panto besides from that i also probably have to say the apollo theater not the apollo the apollo theater in london because it was one of the first west end theaters that i ever went into so yeah i would probably say those two and if you could collaborate with anyone in the industry your dream who, who would you collaborate with i am very very fortunate i'm collaborating with them just now <laughs> yeah so we've got two things happening at the minute first of all that that mentor i i had michael harrison as a mentor who's the producer behind which is now crossroads pantomime annie the musical the bodyguard the drifters get old joseph at the palladium and stuff and i mean a wonderful wonderful human an amazing, amazing producer and such a wealth of knowledge who also started his training in Scotland, bizarrely. And having getting the opportunity to sort of listen to him and, and have opportunities come off the back mm. of knowing him, which has been really good, and via him, I should say. And we're also at the minute working on a, a reimagined version of a Scottish show that went on tour a couple of years ago by two of the best writers that are out there in Scotland at the minute. Yeah, I can't say anything because it's not been announced. Okay. Um, it's in very early stages, but yeah, I would, I would say I'm working with them just now. Um, people that I'm not working with I would I would love to create something with Elaine C. Smith because I think okay. she's a phenomenal talent yeah that was a baffled question for a quick no fire no no it was well. fine listen I, I to be fair right I've been doing this for eight months I keep saying quick fire to this it's not really quick fire questions to be fair like they're kind of just I should just stick with fun question we'll go with that but this this is actually a quite a good one and we've been asking this sort of more recently in the last few weeks but I'm going to give you three categories I want you to pick a category so you can have a sweaty dance floor a drunken karaoke night or a hungover Sunday Drunken karaoke night. Okay, what are you singing? What am I singing? What's, what's my go-tos? <laughs> Proba. It's just been probably. so long, you know. I give a good rendition of I am what I am. Uh, that's a good one. That always good <laughs> I'll do that. Yeah. 
That's a good yeah. answer. Yeah, fair. No, wait, I love this question because we're all missing these things. So we're not hungover yeah. Sunday. There's plenty of hungover Sundays going on in this current life. But um, yeah, yeah, the other two I do miss. I started to wrap things up soon because I know we've been nearly speaking for an hour, but I sort of question, I mentioned this earlier and you talked a bit about failure, but I think something that is really important for creative people to, to hear is what people's failures are and what the things they would change now. But what, what would you say your biggest creative failure today is? There's been a few. Running before I could walk was definitely one. When I left high school, as I've always already said, sort of working in high school, went to college for a bit. And to prove that I could do it, I did start that my own small company and I was with them for five years I left them the end of last year because it, it wasn't really what I wanted to do and I wanted to go and do other things and hindsight I would have probably left a lot sooner but even now find it really hard to say no yeah and I totally get uh, something you go yeah, yeah 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 we'll do it we'll do it we can make it work and that ability not to say no it has been the root of nearly all my creative failures we've taken on a massive massive risk with Edinburgh Fringe one year and said we were going to go to the Fringe put a lot of money on the table lost everything because we had to pull the show because it wasn't ready we trusted people with stuff and I was kind of toying with the idea of going off and seeing what there was for me in, in the industry possibly putting trust in the wrong people at the wrong time was one which again as a young person you go and give your friends these gigs and you go and do it and, and it does it's difficult it, it really is difficult so I would say the ability to say no is probably the hardest one and even now when I started off my professional commercial producing career just saying yes to projects and then you're going oh, wait a minute I actually I'm sinking quicker than I'm sailing here this is yeah. what do we do and you have to be brutal and you have to pull some stuff and you have to work yeah we'll still do this but it's going to be a year later than we thought so I would say those that saying no things my biggest failure in a sense and that's a great that's a great answer to this by the way because I totally relate to that see people message me a lot and say can I be on the podcast blah 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 and and I'm bad at saying no to people so I I mostly will say yes to people but then sometimes you either you end up letting people down because you don't actually have time to to organize it or or you maybe haven't done their research and they maybe aren't suitable for what you're sort of after and things as well so it's really difficult saying no to people is really hard but I think there's ways I'm learning now that you can say no in a positive way or you don't have to say no conclusively you can say I'm afraid at the moment I'm busy but maybe in the future we can talk again so you don't have to do be a dick about it to say no I think and I think that's hard for people maybe like ourselves who are very passionate and want to help everyone yeah and I mean as a commercial producer you get a lot of people coming chapping on your door asking for you to for you to take a stake in their show and invest and, and how you're going to do that and and I I take in some really bizarre opportunities you read it on paper these numbers don't add up this isn't isn't going to bring the money back i'm going to let my investors and i'm going to myself down i'm going to let other people down but and it's not even as if the person standing in front of you the email's sitting in front of you and go yeah let's do it let's go and then you sit and go wait a minute why 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 on earth have i suggested this (laughs) and then you're suddenly found with these huge 
huge budgets to sort of accommodate and stuff. But now there's ways to say no that make it positive for yourself and for them. If you say no and you know that you're saying no for the right reasons, if it's not right for you or if it's not right for your organisation or whatever, however you work, that's fine. And if that person genuinely wants to work with you, they'll they'll reappear. You can keep in contact. There's ways they'll reappear. If they're just after you because you're the only person around at the time or you've got what they need or whatever for that particular thing, then the chances are it was never meant to be anyway. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, saying no is definitely the hardest. Yeah. And I think as Scottish people, we're so prone to trying to please everyone that you end up oh, spinning yeah, all these yeah, plates yeah. and then go, what on earth am I doing? Oh no, totally relate to that. That's a very, very interesting answer to that question. Thank you. Just get a real job. Well, of course, the sort of title of the podcast is Just Get a Real Job. So we, we ask everyone that comes on the podcast, like, what's the worst part-time job or the worst quote real job you'd ever had to sort of work and you don't have to name the company if you don't want to but I mean if you do want to we'll keep it in what's the worst I've only ever worked I've been really fortunate I've only ever worked two real jobs but I've never not worked a real job I've just been in them for quite a while each of them's had their merits and their dismerits possibly one just didn't understand what it was to be a freelance creative I think that's a hard one yeah and you're like no I can't do that because I'm, I'm doing it but what do you mean that's what your job is that, that's not a real job and it's like well actually wait a minute it is that's hard it's really hard and that, that can sometimes that can be the thing that, that puts the nail in the coffin to stop people going because you're going well these are the ones that are giving me food at the end of every month in a sense so we just keep going and so I always now call them a side hustle job um, I love that's the term I use as well it's a good term though isn't it a side hustle yeah and yeah. even on my phone like if I'm putting a shift in it it says side hustle mm. because it's just a way of sort of differentiating what's going out and what's not and actually to be fair just when you were saying about failure your title of this podcast in a sense is key everyone in this industry has a side hustle job one way or another it might not be working in a shop or working in a pub or a restaurant but we all do something for when it dries up. It might be teaching, it might be something. That was one of my failures was thinking, I'm not doing this for real because I'm doing this at the same time, which is absolutely bullcrap to think. So if, it, if there was any advice to get picked up, would probably be that. Don't don't think you're not doing it right just because you're doing it different to how you perceive mm. someone else to do it. Because how someone perceives themselves on Twitter or Instagram might look very, very good, but... The reason you don't see them four hours of the day is because they're mopping a floor in a cafe somewhere. It's like, it's nuts. Yeah, 100%. And that's why we forget we compare. And as I think I've said on the podcast before, but or someone else has said, which I love, comparison is like creative kryptonite as well. It really, it's not good for you. I love that term. But Liam, yeah. I was a bit, the last question we ask on the podcast is is for people to sort of share their advice with um, the listeners. But you, like the last sort of 10 minutes has just been wisdom after wisdom. But if you want to have a go at summarizing like what your sort of advice would be to anyone who maybe wants to be a theatre producer, but just anyone who wants to work in the creative industry in general, what would be your sort of closing advice for them? For a theatre producer, reach out. Reach out to people who are doing it. Know what's going on. Know your, do your research. My area, for instance, is predominantly musical theatre. Go and see as much as you can, if that is what your area is. Find out who the key players are. Try and reach out. The worst someone's going to say is no. The worst mm. they're going to say is no. And at the end of the day, if they say no, there's all there's, there's tons more. And this is the, the one bit of advice I wish I had at the start is it's not competitive at all. Unlike other areas of the creative industry, theatre producing isn't competitive in the same strain as others because it's such a hard job. And not saying that other, other creative jobs aren't, because it's such a tediously hard and sometimes really difficult, stressful, worrying job. Everyone's in it together. Yeah, That's probably the one bit of advice I'd have. As for going into the creative industry, if you you have to love it, but if you do love it, it, it'll work. 
your path might be different to what 10 other people's were, but it, it will work if you want it to go. I'm six or seven years into it when I started on this path, and I'm now at a stage where I'm happy at where I'm at. I know other people that were at that stage six months into the path. I know people who want to be at this stage who have been at this for years and are, and are nowhere near. So just keep going, and if it's, if it's meant to be, it will happen. But I think the one bit of advice, and I'm sure you'd probably agree, is reach out and speak mm. to people and ask and, and slip into someone's Instagram DMs or an email or whatever and just be like, listen, can we have a conversation or or I've had this situation, do you have any advice? And if, if we can, we will always help. Yeah, um, totally. There's so many, so many opportunities people that are there for people if they want them and, and if they are able to, and, you know, there's so many, many people willing to help and talk and there's a lot of, I know the industry sometimes does get a bad name. There's a lot, and there is people that are not nice in this industry, there's bad people in every industry, but there's mostly people are lovely and there's, everyone wants to help and we'd all been there. So absolutely brilliant advice. They are. And particularly, I think the further up the chain you get, once you get past being an actor and you you start looking at working in production of theatre or film you start getting involved where there's money and I think that's what puts people off is they start seeing the money and go these people are going to be horrible they're dealing with all this money actually those are the ones that are more happy to sit down and go yeah we'll have a chat because it's going to give me five minutes not to think about this Mm. and if it's something that you're not too sure of or if you're in a position where maybe you've not seen theatre a lot or you've never been on the set of a TV show or something just reach out and ask can I come and sit and watch what you do obviously Covid's different but before Covid if you were to phone a theatre and say can I come and sit next to the stage manager or sit in, sit in the tech booth for a day and watch how, how you run this run this show they'll probably say yeah. yeah and if they won't say yeah they'll go we can't do it now but if you come back at Christmas when we've got a six week run of panel we'll find a time somewhere Definitely, and I think that would probably apply to things like being an artist or being a working in costume or whatever, whatever industry profession you are. But Liam, this has been a great conversation. There's plenty of stuff I could have kept asking you about as well. You've got lots to say, but honestly, thank you very much for sharing your knowledge. And I honestly as well, like hats off to you because you're such a hard worker and you're very, very passionate about the industry. And it's great to have people like you in, in Scotland and stuff as well. So thank you very much for your time. Well, thank you very much for having me. And thank you for having this. It's an amazing tool to have for, for creatives who are imagine yeah definitely well I'm, and i'm glad we can we're both working in, in our own ways to sort of make the make the future better and help people out so it's, it's good but uh, thank you for your time thank you very much thank you well there you go that was my conversation with liam mcintosh theater producer thank you again to liam for giving us his time i really really enjoyed that podcast it was a fun one to record i hope you found learning about the sort of landscape of theater and stuff as interesting as i did and you know it was great to hear about what like a theater producer does and stuff so if you liked what liam had to say and you want to find out a bit more there are links to liam's company in the show notes go and find out more about him and as always as well if you're enjoying the podcast please consider leaving us a five-star review on apple podcasts or google podcasts or wherever you get your podcast also please consider telling friends and family to listen and spreading the word to people you know and if you can afford to donate to our patreon page as well there's a link to that in the show notes and all that money goes back into making this podcast as good as it can be we've been recording lots and lots of great episodes recently we've got some really really exciting guests coming up i cannot wait for you to hear them so i hope you have a lovely week we'll be back again next tuesday with another episode of just get a real job but until then have a good one just get a real job